You know, there's a beautiful thing that happens on a football field when a receiver runs full speed down a sideline for 30, 40 yards and reaches up and a ball drops out of the sky into his hands. Like tonight? Yeah, yeah, like it's going to happen tonight. Yes, yes. It's an amazing thing. How, how does that happen? That Carson Wentz will drop back and fire a ball into the air, and and Deshaun, Je- uh, no, um, Alshon, Je- no, um, Nelson, uh, Greg Ward Jr. will be running down the field full speed and will reach up, and there's the ball. It's right there, perfectly placed. How does that happen? Practice. They practice a lot. They, the receivers run routes. They practice for hours running the perfect routes. A few steps this way, turn. A few steps this way, moving out into the field. They even practice the fact that there is a defender on them, bumping them, pushing them away running with them every step, putting their hands in their faces, trying to stop that pass from getting completed. They practice all of that again and again and again and get the timing just right so that they can work that miracle of receiving what falls out of the sky. Well, I'm not talking about football today. Um, I do that a lot anyway, and so uh, this is not a message about football. It's about us and our relationship with God. And I'm going to be talking today about practice, about some of the basics that we do in our Christian lives to develop this relationship with God. Some have called these the spiritual disciplines. Some of you are very familiar with that term. Others may not be, and it may scare you a little bit. Discipline, you know, I'm, do I have to go to the principal's office now? Have I done something wrong? But discipline is connected to the word disciple. And as we are disciples of Jesus, as we practice discipleship, we learn from Him and we learn ways of living, ways of connecting. And we do these things. Now, people have, have gotten in trouble with spiritual disciplines over the centuries and, and in a couple of basic ways. And so even back in Jesus' time, there were the Pharisees who were praying on the street corners to be seen by other people. They were building their reputation as spiritual giants. And Jesus said, no, that's not, not what it's about. If that's all you're trying to do to build your reputation... You don't need anything from God. It's just a human transaction then. It's PR. You got it. But there's something far more valuable that happens when we talk to God. So don't do it for show. Don't do it for your own pride. And some have done that. They've tried to think of themselves as spiritual giants and do spiritual things for those reasons. That's not the reason to do it. Some have tried to earn points with God. God will love me more. I will earn my salvation if I pray and read the Bible and do these things. 
Well, that's not right either. We recently had a really great series called Unreligious, where we talked about the religious impulses that people have and how Christianity is not primarily that. It is a relationship with God. And so these things that we do to practice our faith are matters of relationship. Those who've studied spiritual disciplines, they, um, they can go crazy with listing all the things that, that are important for Christians to do. I've seen lists of 12 or 15 things. Uh, I'm going to be talking about four of them this morning. Prayer, Bible study, uh, fasting, and, um, and gathering in community. Um, there, there are others that we, we could talk about, and there have been people who have majored in this, studied this. One of the best definitions that I have comes from a teacher named Robert Mulholland. And I'm going to get this wrong, and Tom, I know you know the, <laughs> the correct quote on this, so you can correct me later. But I'm paraphrasing what he said. That the spiritual disciplines are not, not ways that we show our, our spiritual aptitude. They are ways that we put ourselves in position for the Spirit to bestow blessings on us, essentially. That, that, they are, that it is God who does this work. This is not our work to get good enough for God. God does the work. The Spirit is working in us, helping us grow. The Spirit is doing the work. We are merely putting ourselves in position to help Him bless us in those ways. And in that way, it's not all that unlike the football player who runs down the sideline to put himself in position so that he can reach up and receive the blessing that comes out of the sky and run for the touchdown and win the game and all of that. So let's talk about prayer. People get weird about prayer. Um, actually, so, so people make it very formal. People make it, uh, have lots of ideas of why they can't pray or how they shouldn't pray or whatever. And I, I just want to rip all that away. One of my favorite verses, uh, very simply, comes from the end of uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. And that word in the Greek is, it, continually is a pretty good translation of it. it. It means without letting up, relentlessly. Just keep praying. Pray and pray and pray. Make that such a part of your life that it's, that it's like breathing. Pray continually. And so this, the first, uh, uh, I'm calling it talk with God. Because this is what it is. It's not putting on some fabulous prayer that will impress people or impress yourself or impress God. It is talking with God and not just talking to God. It is entering a conversation with God. I've heard people say, I don't, I'd like to pray, but, but there, are, there are all sorts of like magic words I need to say. You know, do I need to say, in Jesus' name, amen? And I'm not quite sure where to say that or why to say that or whatever. And no, you don't have, that's not a magic word. 
We do pray in Jesus' name. It is because of what Jesus has done that we can come before our Father. You don't have to put the magic words in there. Do you have to say thee and thou in your prayers? No, you don't have to do that. God doesn't speak that language. He speaks Hebrew. No, no. He speaks your language. He understands your language. Um, there are, I've, I've heard people say, I, you know, that, that somebody taught them once that you're not supposed to pray about yourself. You're not, you're not supposed to pray about your own needs. And that's just, that's hogwash. That, that, the Bible regularly invites us to pray about our own needs. Give us this day our daily bread. That's, that's our basic needs. So I think as, as we pray, we find that our consciousness gets beyond ourselves and we begin caring about the people around us and the love of God fills our hearts so we're praying about them as well. But it's not a problem to pray about you and what you need. That's an important aspect of prayer. There's some who say, well, I have sin in my life. I, have to, I'm not, I, I can't pray because there is sin in my life. And yeah, we do grapple with sin. But where else do you take that except to God? Talk to God about that. Say, I'm feeling like you're far away from me. Okay, that's how to have that conversation then. To bring it to God. To pray continually. This continual thing may be... It, it, some of you, it may be second nature too. You, you are doing this. You go through your lives. Every moment is a kind of uh, prayer. But for others, that seems strange. And, and I would compare it to, um, actually, to, to my interaction with my email. Because um, I've, I have email on my computer at home. And so I will, I will go home, turn on my computer, go to my web program and look at my email. I'll go on to email. I will do that as, as some people might pray. They might go and have a time of prayer, just as I would have a time of checking my email. Except I just got a new phone a couple of days ago. And, and my phone, my old phone could not connect with email. It was an old phone and it was old. I'm one of the last four people on AOL. And... Um, and so it just wasn't working. Now this new phone hooked me up with that. So I could check my email right now. I'm not going to, but, but, but I could. That, that I, so now I am always connected. I'm always connected to my email. And anytime I can check it. That's what prayer's like when we are praying continually. It's not that I go to do a prayer I am in communication with God. And right now, I'm saying, God, help me as I preach this message. And you may be saying, God, help me as I listen to this message. <laughs> but in our interactions, um, I mean, I've had those, and maybe you have too, where you're talking to someone, and, and it becomes a difficult conversation, and so you launch that prayer and say, God, help me. I don't know what to say next to this person. They need something from me, and I don't know what it is. Help me, help me say the right thing. And he does. I mean, that's the kind of praying continually 
that, that we need to have in our lives. I think both things are important uh, in our prayer, that this continual pray- praying, so as we are driving, as we are showering, as we are eating, as we are in conversation, to have that regular talking to God, but then also to have those special times. And, and I'm thinking about our human relationships. Many of you are, are married, and you, you know how you can walk through a house and see each other and say a few words to each other, but you're dealing with children. You're dealing with dinner. You're dealing with what you're watching on Netflix. You're dealing with you know, these, all these other things, and you're talking with each other, but not really talking to each other. And then and, you know, at the end of the evening, you may say, we need to talk. What do you mean by that? Well, we need to sit down, turn off everything else, and communicate with each other. And that helps a relationship. We need that with God, too. So you can go through your life and say, God, help me, and I need this, and you know, that sort of thing. That's great. God loves that. But also those times of, of we need to talk, God. I need to sit down for 5, 10, 15 minutes or more and really just, just pour out my heart and listen to what you have to say to me. Those, both those kinds of prayer are important to us. The next of the disciplines that I want to talk about is, um, well, you might call it Bible reading. I call it get into God's Word. Um, and, and I'm choosing these, these words uh, importantly because in this sense... It's possible to read the Bible as you read an assignment in high school. Done. Okay, I read my chapter. I'm done. Um, And that's not what reading the Bible needs to be. Because it's not just a book. It is God's message to us. It is God speaking to us. So, So get into... God's Word. And there are various ways that we can get into God's Word. One way I would not recommend, I've said this before, and in fact a number of these things, I, uh, pause for a moment, I'm, I have a feeling of deja vu, and I, as I've been preparing this message, I've had this feeling of deja vu, which makes me think that I've probably preached a lot of the things in this message before here, and so if you're hearing it again, and you're having this feeling of deja vu, you're not crazy, or not any crazier than you thought you were. Um, that you may re- this may really be repetitive here, but it's also a valuable reminder of, uh, of what we need to, uh, to deal with as we enter a new year, especially. And so, a lot of people say, this is the year I am going to read the Bible straight through. Genesis to Revelation, I've never done that. And so I'm going to do it this year. Don't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, don't do it. There are a few people here who could do it. If you've, if you've read a lot of the Bible, if you're experienced, if you know the Bible well, and you just want to put it all together in a straight line, okay. Okay, I'll give you leave to do that. But if you're still fairly new to the Bible, if you're still learning about it, that is about the worst way to go through the Bible. For, for one thing, you will get stuck. I mean, it, you need to read a lot of chapters every day to get through the whole Bible. And good for you if you can do that. But you need to read like 10 chapters a day 
to, to do that. And, and in that case, in the second week, you will get stuck in the middle of Exodus. You'll be reading about building specs for the tabernacle and how many cubits this thing needs to be. And, and, and it will, you will not be drawing a lot of spiritual sustenance from it. Um, and then, if you get through that, the next week, you'll get into Leviticus, and you'll be reading about skin diseases and, and wardrobe for the priests and, and things like that. I'm not saying this is not important. There is, there is value in understanding how the ancient Israel worshipped. But it's not going to help you. It's going to be like that high school assignment. <laughs> Done. And you don't want to read that way. You want to get into God's Word. And so, read it well. Actually, if you want to read something straight through, and I've recommended this before, uh, start in the Gospel of Luke. New Testament, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say, uh, they, they share a lot of stories. They're not identical, but, but they share a lot of stories. I am saying pick the third of those, Luke, and read the story of Jesus. That Then move on to John, which is very different from the other Gospels. It's much more personal. It tells personal stories about people Jesus met. And, uh, and so it will give you a whole other take on Jesus' ministry. And then the book of Acts talks, talks about the birth of the church. And then we get into some of the letters of Paul. And Romans is this very orderly, argument of the for the theology of the christian church and then first and second corinthians are really messy because paul is troubleshooting practical problems in the church and then then we have a few other galatians ephesians philippians colossians i'd say if you read luke to colossians that in a year that's a pretty good pace that that's two and a half chapters a day kind of so if you read two or three chapters a day or that's, it's enough that you could do in a, um, it, no, not a day, I'm sorry. It's a week, two and a half chapters a week. So that's something you could do, you could fit into your schedule, you could either on a daily basis parse that out or sit down on a Saturday or Sunday and give yourself a, an hour of Bible reading time and read through that at a good pace where you can really drink in what God is saying to you. So, that's my suggestion if you want to read something straight through Luke to Colossians. Try that. Um, but here are some other things that you might, might do as you uh, seek to encounter God's Word on a regular basis. One is to meditate. Meditate on it. And so this is actually bringing it down to one verse or two verses. And read them and repeat them. And think about them in all different ways. And um, so it's not quantity, but it's quality of your interaction. You're getting into it in that way. Another way would be to memorize something, a, a lost art in our society. Uh, but look at memorizing key verses in the scriptures. Uh, a family might do this together. It might be a great activity for a family. Um, it's something I, I have found it very helpful in my own life, and I encourage you to, to consider that. My favorite approach here is imagining, putting yourself in the Scripture. So what would it be like if the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to, to this church, to the 
Hope Church at Mount Laurel, and we were reading it together, what would that be like? And so read the book of Colossians like that and say, how, you know, what, what does that mean to us? How are we in that? As you read a story in the Old Testament or perhaps one of the parables of Jesus, make yourself one of the characters. How do I feel in that situation? What's going on in my heart in that situation? How am I encountering God in a new way in that situation? And use all your creative juices to, to approach that, to enter it, to understand the story, not just what happened, but how it felt and, uh, and how it feels to you now. That can be a very powerful way of interacting, this, uh, interacting with the Scripture. Another thing is to pray the Scripture, to read a verse and then kind of recast it as either a prayer that you would say to God or maybe an answer that God is giving to you and hear him saying this to you. Make it a conversation uh, and, and adjust the language as you need to to do that, but, but bring that dynamic to the text. Uh, one of the things I've been doing lately, uh, one of my favorite verses, Philippians 1, 6, uh, where Paul says, I am confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so I, once a week, I, I dedicate myself to, to focusing on that verse. And I'll repeat it a few times, and then I'll, I'll, I'll start to recast it as a conversation. And I hear God saying to me, Randy, you can be confident of this that I have begun a good work in you and I will keep performing that until the day of my son Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, <laughs> that's, that's just what I need. That so often when I am doubting myself, when I'm, I'm struggling, when I'm, I'm wondering what I need to do next, what's going on, I hear God saying that to me from the Scripture. And it is a powerful support for me, a, a powerful encouragement. So we're going to move on uh, to, to our, but before we move on to our next uh, of the spiritual disciplines, I want to talk a little bit about habit formation. Because we're talking about praying and Bible reading, and if you want to make them a greater part of your everyday life, it involves habit formation. You may have heard... Uh, people say it takes 21 days to start a new habit. That's wrong. It's, it's wrong. It, it's based on bad, uh, a, a bad application of a little bit of research. I think it had to do with quitting smoking, but it was one study, and it was, it was how long on average did it take this group to break the physical dependence on... Uh, it, it was just a very narrow study, and 21 days is wrong. Uh, scientists are saying now 66 days is more like it, and actually a lot of programs are, are saying 90 days. They're based on a 90-day program to build new habits in your, in your life. So think in terms of three months, not three weeks. And, um, and so if you want to start a new Bible reading habit or a new prayer habit, uh, maybe by Easter you'll have that in place. And, uh, and so stay with it. Don't, don't get discouraged if you skip a day or so because it takes a while to get that ingrained. Here are some things that, that are important to do. Uh, just practically speaking, I don't have Bible verses for these, <laughs> these things. But you need support. Um, get a friend to help you. You need to be accountable to someone. 
and, and give them the right amount of permission to check up on you. You, you know what I mean there? That, that you, some, some of you need someone to nag you, and some of you will respond badly to nagging. And, so, and it might ruin a relationship. So, so be smart about that, but you may want to go to a friend and say, I, I want to read a certain amount of Scripture every week now, and I would love for you to check up on me, just see how I'm doing, and just knowing that you're going to do that is going to help me do, uh, do that. So get support from other people. Um, set reminders for yourself if you're on a schedule a certain time every day or every week you've got all sorts of possibilities with your phone you probably know how to work your phone I just got a new one I don't know how to set anything <laughs> on it but, but you can set reminders so you know what you're doing uh, clear space and I mean both in your schedule and in your home or office, or wherever you're doing. Get the right space. It may be a chair that you sit in, and everyone else knows that's your Bible reading chair. And so don't bother you when you're reading, <laughs> reading in your Bible reading chair. Or, so it may be that physical space, but it may also be the, um, a, 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 a space in your schedule. You may need to clear out space in your schedule to do that. So if you, say, play, play a game on your phone every evening after dinner, well, what if you took that time as a prayer time instead? Uh, not saying it's bad to play games on your phone, but maybe that's something you could clear out to create space for a new habit that you want to start. Um, it helps to connect a new habit to other habits that you already have. And so if you, I, I think commuting is a thing here where if, if you are on a train going somewhere every weekday morning, um, th then consider um, getting a Bible app and reading the Bible uh, in that time. Consider using the time you're already doing something else to, to put Bible and prayer uh, and perhaps other, other disciplines in that. Um, Keep a vision of where you want to go, of how you want to grow. Uh, continue to, to ask God to this thing he's begun to create in you, uh, this good work. Ask him to keep performing it and to have that vision of where you're going. Um, I'm moving uh, quickly into the two remaining ones. Hold fast is my next uh, um, it's about fasting, um, but again, I'm choosing the words. Because fasting is not about what you give up as much as what you are holding to. Um, and and I'm, I know I'm simplifying it, uh, and I'm not an expert in fasting, as you can probably tell. Um, but, um, but I believe fasting is, more, is about saying, God, you are more important to me than these other things in my life, even food. Food is important, and food is good. It's a good thing in our lives. So we're not saying food is bad, but for a period of time, throughout the ages, people of faith have said, I'm going to do without food for a period of time in order to show that God is more important to me than that. And um, I've, uh, um, Jeff Bills uh, loves uh, fasting. He, he, he's an expert in fasting, so talk to him about food fasting. I am not. I actually get physically sick when I try to fast, and so I, I've not done that. Um, 
But I think there are other fasts that we could try in our modern world, other things that we could give up for a time. They're not bad things, but we give them up for a time in order to, show, in order to focus more specifically on God. Uh, maybe it is playing those games on your phone or on your computer. Uh, maybe it's um, Netflix. Uh, maybe it's Facebook. Uh, maybe it's uh, watching football games. Uh, not encouraging you to try that this weekend. Um, but, uh, but, but consider that. What would it be? What, how, how hard would that be? And how good might that be for you in the middle of football season to say, this weekend, instead of watching football, I am going to devote time to God things. I'm going to take an hour to pray. I'm going to take an hour to read my Bible. I'm going to take an hour to reconnect with the people who have, have contributed to my spiritual life. I'm going to... What would that be like? It would be really hard. But um, that is the kind of fasting that might... Um, uh, that might work if the food fast is not, is not for you. The last one I have here is, uh, I call it gather up. And I'm really saying two things here. Gather and up. Uh, so, gather with other, other believers and bring an upward direction to the gatherings that you have, even if they're not with believers. You see what I'm saying? So, so one, I'm preaching almost literally to the choir here because you, you are here. You are in church today. You are gathering here with the faithful, and that's a good thing. Um, uh, one of the things that's happening in, the, in our culture today is that people miss church a lot. Even people who love church and who come regularly, there are just so many things going on in, uh, that, that we, you know, we get tired. I've, I've been there. You know, I'm tired. I don't feel like going to church today, so we don't go to church. And I'm telling you, it's better when you're here. And so I'm glad you're here today. Keep coming. And those mornings that you say, no one's going to miss me, yeah, we'll miss you. It's better when you're here. Please come, because it's better when you're here. We are knitting together a community here, and it's important for us all to be together as often as we can. And so we're not taking attendance. We're not going to send you, you know, truancy reports or anything like that. But, uh, but it's better when you're here. So, so come and gather. You may actually want to, to join a small group. Get, get together with not 40 or 50 or 60 people, but four or five or six people on a regular basis and pray together, talk about the Bible. Uh, we will, in the coming year, we will have a lot more opportunities to gather with, with a small group. There are some now. And so please talk to Pastor Rick about that uh, as God leads you to commit to a, to a small group kind of thing. But the other thing that uh, this, this bringing an upward quality to... Um, to any gathering you're in. I was talking with a friend last week who was saying he goes to the gym uh, regularly at like five in the morning. Um, so he's a little bit crazy anyway. Um, but, uh, but he has this group of people who work, work out together 
and one of them is, an, is another friend of mine, and he was making this connection with me. Oh, do you know so-and-so? He knows you. And, and so we, we, we did. But, but my friend was saying, it's like a, a church small group. These are not church people, but we talk about things that are so deep and so important in our lives and sometimes about God. And, and, and I am sure that my friend brings up his faith on a regular basis in that group. And that's something I'd also encourage you to do, to connect with the people in your world, at work, in your neighborhood. Find opportunities to gather with other people and bring that Godward aspect to those conversations. Don't have to preach to them, but just be the Christian that you are. Open up your God-driven heart to, uh, to them. So, um, have you been to the gym yet this year? We've got, we've been, we're five days into the new year. So, okay, he, well, yeah, you're the Iron Man guy, so, so of course you, you do. Uh, I'm going tomorrow. No, not tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. I'm going Tuesday. Um, but there's a great verse that, that I found. I'm going to close with this, 1 Timothy 4. Uh, Train yourself to be godly. The word for train there is, is gym. It's gymnos uh, in Greek. Uh, it's a Greek word. Um, train yourself to be godly. For physical training, going to the gym is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I urge you, yes, this is the time where we all commit ourselves to physical fitness and we're going to go to the gym. Yeah. But train yourself in godliness. Prayer, Bible reading, gathering with others, uh, and, and finding some behavioral fast, perhaps, that can reorient you to God. Let's all stand for the benediction. Lord, we commit our lives to you today for this coming year. Uh, help us to reorder our lives in such a way that you are the center, that you are, are empowering us to do what needs to be done. Be with this church. Knit us together and give us all the power to affect this community in powerful ways for you. Go with us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Have a great year.